This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Here comes Sacramento. Three on one. Bagley the step. Bagley with the dunk. And you can put it in the book and send it to the left. There it is. Buddy Hill alone at the top. Of the Kings record book. Oh, I like to see Fox Force 5 in the open court. Fox into the lane. Oh, if you don't like that, you don't like Kings basketball. To another episode of the King's Pulse Podcast. My name is Brendan Nunez. Got Rich Ivanowski on here as we usually do. How you doing, Rich? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. And today we're going to be talking about the Miami Heat. We have Brandon DiPerno here to help us out with that. He's the senior writer for Hot Hot Hoops. How you doing today, Brandon? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, no problem, man. We appreciate you coming on and taking the time. And uh, the way we want to start this out is recapping what you saw from last year and what you feel that you can take from that 39 and 43 season that Miami had. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, obviously, as most Heat fans know, last season was kind of a disappointment. Um, I think uh, season expectations at the beginning of the year were that Miami could compete uh, for second, at least to get into the second round of the playoffs. They didn't perform terribly against Philly in the playoffs the year before. And just coming to the season, Things went pretty terribly. Um, James Johnson had the hernia, so he didn't get into the season until I think almost about 20 games in. Uh, Dion Waiters only came back um, a few months into the season. And obviously, um, our only all-star over the last few years was uh, Goran Dragic, and um, he was hurt for the majority of the season, which opened things up for justice at point guard. But at the same time, the Heat were never full strength. So um, for Wade's farewell tour, it wasn't, the send-off, I don't think that, I guess, Miami faithful wanted to give it. Yeah, uh, you mentioned point justice there. I wonder what your take on on his position is going forward here. Yeah, I mean, um, I think justice really gelled at point guard. Um, he, I think he was almost uh, 12.8 points per game, uh, five, five rebounds and 4.3 assists. I looked at the stat pretty recently, so I, I feel like I'm not off on that. Um, and this chemistry was pretty good with the team. I mean, Justice is somebody who's um, who's taken a while, I think, to gel. Obviously, he didn't really play his sophomore year because he got hurt um, really early in the season. Um, and um, things have just, uh, you know, finding his role has been hard. Um, obviously, he wasn't shooting well, and that kind of led to the narrative that Justice is a poor shooter, but he's not. Um, he took some real strides this season, especially from beyond the arc. And um, just, uh, you know, and obviously to shoot in, or to be a point guard in the league today, you need to be able to shoot. I think he's excelling in that. Is he the point guard of the future for the Heat? He very well might be, depending on what they're trying to do. Um, I think he works in that role. And um, honestly, you know, despite despite it being kind of 
unsaid by Heath Brass. I know Justice has said that he'd like to be the point guard in the future, and I do see it working. I mean, at the end of the day, he's still in his really early 20s, and, I mean, he has a lot of time to improve. Right, and a lot of him getting that opportunity at the point guard last year was due to Drogic only playing 36 games. Uh, there's a chance, you know, he has an injury history that ends up happening again, but if they both remain healthy, how do you see the rotation between the two doing? Well, as of right now, I see Goran starting. Um, I mean, I don't think that's going to change right away. Um, I think that does open up time for Justice to play backup point guard minutes. And yes, uh, Goran does have an injury history, but he is also a very good player. So, um, you know, there's a couple things that could happen. I mean, Goran's on the last year of his contract and he could be somebody Miami looks to trade um, going forward, uh, especially near the trade deadline, or he might be somebody that he uh, commit to long term, but rec- uh, but basically explaining him that his role might change in the future. I mean, he's on the other side, or he's on the wrong side of thirty right now. And I mean, he's somebody who's made his career on being a pretty spectacular athlete. So as that begins to decline, I think you know it might be a natural transition uh, from Goran to Justice. Uh, but yeah, if another injury happens this season, it might come a little bit sooner than later. Another standout guy was Josh Richardson, who is no longer with the team, but he did feel throughout most of the season like he might have been the best two-way guy on the Heat. He led the team in scoring. Also, probably the best wing defender of that group, though. Uh, there's a lot of solid wing defenders down in Miami. But, uh, yeah, what did you think of his season? Um, Josh is uh, one of the most – well, for the last few seasons, he was one of the most fun players to watch on the Heat. Um, I think he really stepped into that leadership position – uh, early on, especially I know the Heat were trying to get that deal done to acquire Jimmy early last season. Josh was in trade rumors for the first, uh, first I want to say, month and a half. Um, you know, uh, despite all of that, he stepped up. And, yeah, he was, he was, the, leader. He was the leader on the team. I mean, he uh, averaged the most points. And there were a few games uh, last season where he kind of showed his star potential. Um, you know, it, it remains to be seen in Philly uh, how his role will change. But, I mean – from a shooting perspective, he was fantastic. Uh, from a defensive uh, perspective, um, he was great. Uh, the, I think the only thing really lacking in his game last year was his ball handling skills, and I think really sky's the limit for him if he can improve uh, his ball handling. Um, also, one thing about Josh Richardson, he's a little bit older uh, than people think uh, because uh, I think he was at uh, Tennessee a little bit, um, I think almost his uh, full four years. I'm not 100% sure on that, so don't get angry at him. But, um, yeah, he's not, he's not that much younger than uh, Jimmy Butler, so that trade does make a little bit of sense. But I think Josh is, uh, you know, he's a freak athlete. Um, obviously, Heat fans are, will probably miss him a little bit. Um, we've grown up with him, really, uh, you know, with the whole Rook 1, Rook 2 thing that uh, Wade coined a couple years ago. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he – especially when uh, D. Wade was in, um, was in Chicago and then Cleveland, um, Josh was one of the big reasons why you – tuned into the heat you know um he had a especially before Wade came back he had a game winner you know he he was working towards getting better in the clutch situations but uh yeah I'm sure he's going to be very good in uh, Philly um I don't want to compare him to Robert Covington because he's more athletic than that but um I think uh I think he's just gonna be fine so yeah love Josh Richardson um he was really fun to watch last year and you know I'll, I'll miss him on the heat but I'm excited for the uh, obviously the incoming uh, season with Jimmy Butler. 
Yeah, Josh is a nice player, but like you mentioned, you definitely got an upgrade. Um, but Jimmy is now the clear leader of the team, I feel like. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong in that. And aside from play style, uh, how do you feel about having what is known as a little bit of a uh, tough character to handle and reel in as your leader of the team? Honestly, with the Heat, I'm not worried about anybody's character, really. Um, when you have an organization run by Pat Riley and then coached by Eric Spolstra, I think, uh, I mean, you guys have seen it from the marketing, the Heat really push the culture aspect of the organization. Um, and uh, I mean, Wade said it pretty recently, and I think Jimmy's commented on it, uh, or Jimmy commented on it as well, despite not even having a press conference for the Heat yet. But that was kind of one of the reasons he wanted to get over there. Um, He's going to be the clear leader on the team. Uh, it, this is Jimmy Butler's team now, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, there's been back and forth the last few seasons, especially as to who was the clear off the dog on the team. I know uh, we had Dion Waiters uh, when he was in during the 30 and 11 stretch uh, a couple of seasons ago. He was the clear alpha on the team, I want to say. And then D Wade came back, and D Wade took back his uh, his reins as clear alpha. Um, Jimmy Butler is the clear alpha on this team, despite. I don't want to say that a million times, but um, yeah, he'll he'll be able to pretty. How can I put this better? He pretty much lives and breathes Heat culture, despite not having played for the Heat yet. You know, he's that type of player. He really wants to win, um, and if anything kind of goes overboard, yeah, you know, Jimmy's a really passionate guy. I you have guys like Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra with championship experience, and uh, basically they can reel him in, and um, you know, just get him back to being the leader that he needs to be. I'm not necessarily worried. Um, I'm actually really excited. Um, I think he'll be a great leader for the team. And I mean, he's already been hanging out with justice. And uh, when you guys, when you have guys with work ethics like Bam and uh, justice, you know, that pretty much, um, you know, parallels what Jimmy Butler preaches. Yeah. I think, you know, you mentioned, Jimmy Butler being the alpha in that heat locker room. I think Jimmy Butler is the alpha in every room he walks into. Uh, that dude is, uh, he means business. And I definitely agree with the fit, the cultural fit. It, it makes perfect sense to me. It's a hard-nosed franchise. He's going to want the most out of his teammates. And that's already what is demanded uh, of the players there in Miami. And I got to say, I just, I love this move. I, I have. Uh, you know, we just came off of our recap of the Phoenix Suns offseason, and they were one of the, the teams that I was lowest on in terms of the moves they made. And this is one of the teams that I'm highest on. I just think that there was – I had very little hopes for this team this offseason. There just wasn't much to do. There wasn't much – you know, the, the cap situation was stagnant. There's a lot of bad contracts on this team moving on from Whiteside in this – as part of this weird, uh, crazy four – team trade here to get Jimmy and yeah you got to give up Jay Rich who I think is a great a great piece a great player but um, you know in the east to get a superstar can mean so much it can mean going from a team that finished 10th in the conference to a team that could you know make serious noise in the playoffs would you agree with that yeah yeah um, honestly going into the offseason I, I was a little worried I didn't know what the I didn't know what the organization was going to be able to pull off, but I knew you know when you kind of get the feeling that they're planning something, um, and may, maybe it was just the uh, rumors on Heat Twitter and that kind of thing, and 
But, you know, um, as soon as the rumors started, you started to hear credible sources behind things. And then, um, then the Jimmy Butler thing happened. And honestly, like as a Heat fan, it's hard, you know, it's hard to be surprised. It, you know, it's still nice to be surprised. Um, it just seems that uh, Pat Riley and the crew seem to luck into these things um, more often than not, which is pretty great. Um, but yeah, I think it's one of the better off seasons, um, in, in, in a few years, obviously, um, you know, after the 30 and 11 stretch, Miami kind of got locked into some pretty atrocious contracts. Um, and the league, uh, and honestly, when Hassan Whiteside signed the max deal, I don't think anybody thought it was a bad contract. I mean, he had been fantastic, but the league changed really, really quickly. Um, so, you know. It was sad to kind of see that happen, and it was sad to kind of see the way he uh, he dealt with the changing role. Um, I think he's going to be pretty good in Portland, though, and I'm excited actually for the possibility of Myers uh, Leonard on the Heat. Um, yeah, so yeah, I have to agree with you guys. It's been a pretty fantastic offseason for Miami, and it really it really brings a lot of possibilities to this team. I mean, um, the last time the Heat really made noise in the playoffs was in 2016, right? And um, they won about 48 games that season. And what a lot of people don't really realize is there wasn't a ton of firepower on that team. You had D Wade, who was still balling, but Chris Bosh um, fell victim to the blood clots for the second time uh, right around the all-star break. So he wasn't, he was gone. I mean, the really only notable signing um, was Joe Johnson, who was, you know, uh, kind of past his prime at the time and still Miami was able to, um, you know, bring it all the way to game seven of the Eastern Conference semis. You know, so if you take a look at that, I feel like Eric Spolstra has a lot of firepower this time around. And I know 538 pretty much has Miami's season expectations for wins around 45. Um, I might be, you know, playing the optimistic Heat fan a little bit here, but I wouldn't think it's crazy to see them hit maybe 50 wins this season. Huh. You know, you're not going to get any empathy from us for saying you haven't made the playoffs in three years. Try, uh, try adding a decade and then come back to us and see how you feel. What we've I'm, got sorry. Going. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> it's been since um. 2016. <laughs> no, it's a, but, uh, and I want to get to expectations of this team, strengths and weaknesses, but uh, maybe going through a couple more of the individual guys before we talk about them as a whole. Um, the big draft pick was Tyler Hero. Um, getting him at the end of the lottery. He felt like he was picked knowing that Jimmy was already on his way there. Um, he fits the team really well. And how much opportunity do you see him getting year one? I see him getting a lot of opportunity. Um, Miami's lacked shooters really the last couple seasons. Uh, besides Wayne Ellington, who was pretty spectacular the last couple seasons, he saw his role uh, digress a little bit last season, which is uh, why they traded him. But a true three-point menace you know we haven't had in a while um and somebody young and athletic like Tyler Hero should serve to you know fill that gap and really like I'm sure you guys kind of saw it when he got drafted this is a this is a true Pat Riley draft pick you know the, the, the Kentucky guy um and uh you know I think um I you know I yeah it was right before the Jimmy stuff right I didn't even really think of that uh because they've been practicing together too um, yeah, I think he'll get a big role, um, starting on. I mean, you guys saw him, uh, during the summer league. I mean, despite a couple, 
of inefficiencies, you know, from a shooting perspective, like he was pretty great um, leading that team. So it's hard to see him not getting a lot of burn just coming in. I think uh, like he's a piece for the future. I think he'll have a, a bigger role than other people are expecting this season. Yep. I, I'm very high on, on that pick and also um, got some love for Casey Akpala. That was nice. I think to just get, a guy that was projected to be a late first rounder uh, to soup him up with some future second round picks there. What did you think of uh, Casey or what you've seen of him so far? I'm excited. Um, I think Miami knows where to find diamonds in the rough. I mean, it's, uh, it's easy to forget that Josh Richardson was a second round pick not that long ago. So um, yeah, I, I, I've seen, you know, bits and pieces and I think he'll, he'll, he fits the mold a lot. Um, I don't know how much of a role he'll get to play this season, but I'm excited for him uh, growing within the Heat organization. All right, and another guy that it's not quite diamond in the rough. He was a lottery talent, but a little bit later played with our superstar, uh, De'Aaron Fox. He got Bam Adebayo, and it feels like uh, clearing up a little bit of space where Leonard will probably take less minutes than Whiteside might have. Um, does it feel like Bam Adebayo is going to have a bigger role this season? And will they play with having the ball in his hands more often when he is on the floor? Um, I think Bam is the clear number one center on the team. Um, it's uh, honestly Bam's progress and growth over the last couple seasons is probably what kind of frustrated Hassan uh, the most um, because it really, like, Hassan was the only reason you couldn't give Bam more minutes. He was a menace um, on defense. He was great. Uh, he was great on offense. I mean, uh, he has a really nice shooting touch, and like, and he's really he's he's uh, one of those guys who just looks fearless. I mean, like his rookie season, he's covered LeBron a few times, and you know, really just took to um, uh, took to really you know accepting the challenge and trying to grow um, and be that guy. I mean, you could look at his offseason workouts. I mean. He was training with Chris Bosch for a good chunk of uh, the offseason before the uh, Team USA tryouts, and um, ultimately he was cut from that team, which I was a little surprised by, but I think he's a really great talent. Um, I mean, I think, he, I think I, he said he wanted to average almost like 15, 5, and 5, uh, something along those lines, maybe, maybe more than that. I, I'm getting the quote terribly twisted, and I apologize for that, but um, I think he's going to be – pretty spectacular um, as in that number one role. And uh, I mean, you guys have seen uh, how athletic he is and uh, he was on a, a few highlight reels uh, this year for good reason. Um, I mean, my biggest ban out of bio memory uh, this season, which really excites me for what's to come was um, I, I was at the Raptors game in Toronto. Um, it was, uh, I think the third to last game and Miami was still, they needed to win this game to kind of stay alive in the playoff line. And obviously that was an overtime game, but Bam hit a tip in right at the buzzer, you know, that was ultimately just uh, maybe a millisecond too late that would have won us the game. I mean, he's willing to step up in those moments and um, not necessarily be a hero, but, you know, he's willing to try to come through in those clutch situations. And I don't think a lot of players are um, ready for that spotlight, especially at that young of age. And uh, I think Bam is, and, I think he's going to do uh, a really good job with a ton more minutes. So, I mean, uh, for fantasy basketball players, yeah, Bam's a, Bam's a nice pickup this year. Are you currently paying off student debt? 
Interested in improving your financial literacy or looking for new ways to earn income in today's ever-changing digital landscape? Well, on the Talk Money with Mesh Lakani podcast, Mesh will follow paper trails, chat with experts, and break down complex ideas to bring clarity to the mystical financial phenomena. Each episode will be filled with compelling stories covering a broad range of subjects, from buying Bitcoin, dealing with student debt, and everything in between. Listen to Talk Money with Mesh Lakani on Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and learn how to spend, invest, and earn for today's economy. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm going to be repeating myself here because I, I love a lot of these players, but the ceiling on Bam is massive and he's still super young. Um, I was going to ask if you felt like he was just going to be the starting center and just mop up a ton of minutes, but it seems you've already answered that and I'm excited for it. Um, the other move here in the offseason that the Heat made, listen, you brought back the Tom Brady of basketball, uh, soon to be 40-year-old Udonis Haslam. Uh, tell us a little bit about what this guy means to the franchise. Udonis Haslam is the OG, right? Like, despite that being the nickname he has among the organization, I mean, he lives in Leeds, Miami Heat. Um, I know there's been trade, uh, there's been offers for, you know, Udonis Haslam in the past, and I think Miami struck them down immediately. I mean, uh, the guy doesn't see the court that often, even though he's, I mean, y- you look at him, he's ready to play at a moment's notice, and he can still, he can still deliver, you know, in, in short spurts. Um, but where he really excels is in the locker room. I think um, he's one of the best mentors in the NBA. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things. Um, him being back with the team for another year is going to be huge, especially as he, you know, I think he's going to act as kind of the, um, the transition point between, you know, giving the reins to Jimmy Butler and showing what he calls her is really about. So that legacy lasts, right? Um, but yeah, I love Udonis. Uh, I don't. I can't say enough good things about the guy. I mean, he's been there for every single big moment in Heat history. Um, Wade's last pass in the NBA was really to, uh, or last assist in the NBA was to Udonis. Um, it's a pretty, it's it's a pretty awesome thing all around, and to still have him on the team, uh, especially after we all considered this really was going to be his last year, is pretty great. I mean, you know, uh, it won't be too long before. Uh, Udonis's number is uh, up in the rafters, but uh, yeah, yeah. Udonis, you know, he's he's heat culture right there. You think Miami Heat is Dwayne Wade and Udonis has him. Right, and they definitely do have a clear culture. One of those guys that helped establish that and been around for a while. And uh, they've always had a really good defense. They they run well and they play hard on defense. And you mentioned Bam being the starting center, having some switchability. Um, potentially, you know, Wins- Winslow playing the one for a little while. This kind of has the writing of a switch everything to me. Does it feel like that for you? Yeah, I mean, every everybody's capable of playing two ways, right? I mean, even with Josh Richardson uh, last season, um, like they kind of are a defensive powerhouse, especially now you add Jimmy Butler too, who's one of the best two-way players in the league. But that's a testament to Eric Spolstra's coaching style. It's always been defense first. And, um, you know, some some years it works better than others, but I'm really excited to see how it's going to work this season. Um, one thing for Bam, um, as you mentioned, uh, he's really quick, um, which is why he's able to guard such high-level guys. Um, I can only see that improving. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit more a little bit more about Jimmy Butler here before we get into predictions for next year because he's such an important part of what this team is going to be. Um, first, just wanted to 
talk about this trade specifically. It is it is truly there's so many moving pieces here between the four teams that I'm not going to break it down entirely. But as far as the incoming and outgoing for Miami, what do you think of this value here uh, with Josh Richardson going out to Philly, Whiteside to Portland, and the first round pick to the LA Clippers uh, and receiving back Jimmy Butler and Myers Leonard? Uh, obviously, you guys saw um, there was a little bit of drama uh, when the trade went through with the Mavericks because they were going to be the piece that put everything together. Um, and uh, one thing about the Heat is first-round picks and picks in general don't mean a ton to them. Um, I mean, we shipped off two for Goran Dragic when they were kind of going for a win, whether when they were in a win-now scenario, really. Um, so I'm not necessarily worried about that. Um, that's what usually happens. I mean, Jimmy just turned 30 years old, uh, which is always a little bit of a scare in the NBA. Um, I think now players have a little bit more longevity. And, uh, I mean, that's just a testament to modern science, right? Uh, especially when dealing with injuries. Um, I think the value, the value is pretty fantastic. I mean, any, any day you can get a player at the level of Jimmy Butler um, for uh, Josh Richardson, I think you have to do it, even – with the potential of Josh Richardson, who's almost kind of a young Jimmy Butler type. Um, I think Pat Riley doesn't have that many years left in the Heat organization. Uh, so he's really trying to make a push. So that's why they kind of did it. You know, it's a little bit of a shame. Miami didn't have any more, uh, didn't have a ton of flexibility uh, because before they signed Deion Waiters and James Johnson to those massive contracts, that was kind of one of the things going for them. So you know, I like to imagine a twisted future in my head where we have Josh Richardson and Jimmy Butler, um, which I think would have been fantastic. But, I mean, I really can't complain. Um, you know, we have a true all-star talent on the team again. And really, it's besides uh, Goron a couple, um, couple years ago getting into uh, that all-star spot, Miami hasn't had that guy. Even, even Dwayne the last couple seasons, you know, as – you know, as spectacular as he was coming up in key moments, you know, he wasn't the Dwayne Wade of 2008, right? Um, so to get a guy on that level, I think, yeah, you got to make a trade. You got to make that trade. You got to do the sign and trade. And if you're giving stuff up, you know, it's, it's honestly worth it. Uh, to get rid of the Hassan contract, um, also a really good move. I think the writing was on the wall. Um, I mean, if you look at his uh, his season statistics, his minutes regressed every season the past three years. You know, he went from like 32 minutes a game or 33 minutes a game down to almost 26, 25. Um, and, you know, if you're playing 26 minutes and you're the highest uh, paid player on the team, then there's a little bit of an issue, I think. Um, so I think that move needed to be almost done from a culture standpoint and uh, and Honestly, I don't want to compare it to like the Patriot way or anything along those lines, but um, Hassan Whiteside was the only one to kind of speak up about the minutes and his uh, frustrations and that kind of thing over the last couple of seasons. And I think that rubbed a lot of people within the organization the wrong way. Yeah, understandably, you want people that accept their role and just try to uh, be ideal in that. We definitely understand that having a, a little bit of a situation with Willie Colley Stein, but uh, on Jimmy here is does it feel like a uh, load management type of thing? You know, five of his eight years, he's played thirty six plus minutes, which is just insanity. It's Tom Thibodeau. Um, do you think that Miami will have a little bit of load management here in the return of general soreness? 
Maybe. Um, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and pretend to, you know, predict uh, Eric Spoelstra's rotations because they're the most unpredictable thing in basketball, I think. Um, do I see him playing 36 minutes a night? No, of course not. Um, but he will get his share of minutes. And I mean, um, in terms of keeping him healthy, I'm not 100% worried about that. Uh, you know, obviously the rumors of uh, Miami Heat players having to keep a certain body uh, fat percentage and, you know, meet all these tests is something that I don't think Jimmy Butler has had to be a part of the, uh, in his career ever. So I think that'll help his longevity a bit. Um, yeah, he's got more wear and tear than a traditional 30-year-old. And that's a testament to Tom Thibodeau's, uh, um, you know, managerial style and coaching style. So, yeah, maybe it's something that'll kind of rear its ugly head um, in the next, I don't know, four seasons. And, you know, maybe he'll be a little bit older of a 34-year-old. Um, but also, you know, um, I think the Heat will really take care of his body this season. I don't necessarily see a place where it is load management. Um, but I think he, you know, if you look at Spolster's rotations, he never overplays players, um, you know, in unless it's a certain game situation. Yeah, I think the wear on Jimmy probably is a little bit underrated. I know you mentioned that. Jay Rich was is not that much younger than than Butler, um, and, and I mean that's kind of that's I mean that's fair, but he is he is four years younger almost to the day, and then the miles as well. I think like it's more of a mileage type of concern, but you know all in all, I think this was a great value for a trade. And, and again, uh, I I've said it before, and I'll, I'll say it again. Like I'm very high on this team, and even though it is a buy now move it's a it's a move for winning now I think that if there's any team or any group of teams that should be making that type of move it is that those group of teams that are just outside of the playoffs in the east because you have so much upward mobility there if you add a piece like Jimmy Butler you know I think that you know getting into the playoffs with that move is almost a lock for me and then I also think that there is a conversation that can be had I'm getting a little bit of a hot take, a little bit of hot takey here, but it, if you told me that they finished third in the East, it actually wouldn't blow me away at all because outside of Milwaukee and Philly, who I think are, are really going to be behemoth, behemoths, there's questions about every other team in the East. So um, with that, let's turn towards predictions to uh, this upcoming season. Um, and maybe first let's talk about, individual predictions here if you could name for us a guy that you think is going to take the biggest step forward and another guy who's going to take the biggest step back on this roster who would you pick Oof, that's tough um okay uh the guy who's going to take the biggest step forward i kind of have as a tie uh, between justice and bam um i mean sky's the limit for them this season if uh, I know Bam's going to get a ton of minutes right off the bat but if justice does become the starting point guard i mean i think he can be really really great this season um let me just take a look at the depth chart so i can kind of tell you who's going to take the biggest step back because it's tough i mean um the heat actually have a healthy roster for the first time in like three seasons you know and the last time we had a healthy Dion waiters and james johnson and and goran Dragic. i mean you know we missed the playoffs by what uh, half a game because the brooklyn nets uh decided not to start their starters in the last game of the season um so let me let me take a peek oh i mean also i mean we never we haven't talked about him at all but uh derek uh jones jr was a really nice piece uh for the heat last season and um 
I feel like he's going to continue to improve as well. Um, he picked up a lot of the James Johnson minutes uh, while he was uh, working with the, the hernia injury. So, you know, there's, uh, there's something to be said there. Um, let me see. I mean, age-wise, Udonis Haslam will probably take the biggest step back. <laughs> Dirty um, there. No, he's, he's timeless. He's ageless. <laughs> um, but realistically, just thinking of age, really, I think, what I think a, like, uh, what Duncan about the, Robinson will – oh, sorry, go ahead. What do you think of the role of Kelly O'Linning? I think he is a candidate I could maybe think of taking a step back just because of a lesser role. Yeah, it re- it really depends. Um, obviously, he's uh, second um, in the kind of center death chart just before Myers Leonard. It really, I think, would be um, who outplays who. I think if, if Myers Leonard outplays Kelly, then obviously he'll see more minutes. Uh, Kelly outplays Myers, you know, and, and vice versa. Obviously, Kelly um, is, has been pretty consistent for the Heat, and he's a fellow Canadian, so I don't want to be smirch his name. Um, but yeah, I guess put in a situation where, you know, um, Myers is outplaying him. Yeah, I mean, the minutes the minutes could, you know, cycle down for him. That would, uh, you know, be a little disappointing because he's, he's, he's been pretty great for the Heat. But, yeah, if, to take realistic expectations here, um, yeah, I could see that happening. Yeah, I had Bam and Justice down here for sure as players that should improve. I also had Derek Jones Jr., as, as a third, as more of an outside dark horse option. I'm glad you mentioned him. And then, yeah, what about, I mean, what about Goran Dragic as a guy that could continue to, you know, maybe he's not going to have a worse season than last season because he was barely on the field, uh, barely on the court, excuse me, for a lot of the time. But, uh, I mean, just in terms of his his ability to produce when he's out there, is that a concern? Um. I'm not really worried about Goron, actually. I mean, uh, besides the knee injury, I mean, he's a season removed from an all-star season. Um, he's still, I think, a very good point guard. Um, he's a fantastic shooter. So um, I think he'll have, you know, I think he'll play closer to his all-star self this season, especially if he doesn't have any knee pain. Um, you know, I think last season was kind of an outlier. And when he did come back, uh, you know, the few times that he, you know, uh, I think he got clean, his knee cleaned out and he came back and he played really well. And then he went out again and then he came back again and then he left again with the knee injury before they actually elected for a real surgery. Um, you know, but he wasn't bad in the times he returned, even with the knee pain. So if he's feeling good, um, he's a pretty fast, uh, an athletic individual, you know, and he's, he's not super old, but he's not super young. Um, I think he'll be pretty consistent this season. I don't see him step, uh, taking a step back, especially if we to use last season's comparable. Um, but I think he'll play closer to his all-star self if he's getting the minutes um, that we think he's going to get. The King's Pulse podcast is recorded and hosted on Anchor. It is the easiest way to make a podcast, and it is 100% free. It gives you everything you need to record, edit all of it so it sounds smooth and professional, and upload it all from your phone and or your computer. They distribute your podcast to every major platform. They give you an opportunity to make some money in the process as well. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And can you educate us on uh, him defensively? I'm not too uh, familiar with his capabilities there. 
because we identified one of the strengths being the perimeter defense of this team, but I was mainly thinking of Winslow when I said that. Does Drogic feel like a liability in that regard? Can he hold his own? He's a little bit of a liability. I mean, he's not the biggest guy in the league, um, and he's not, I think, on the defensive caliber as a Justice Winslow, you know, who lives and breathes and hangs his hat on defense. Um, so I think that might factor into uh, the point justice uh, transition at some point. Um, but yeah, when I think of Goran Dragic, I often think back to uh, Steve Nash in terms of play style. And I mean, he was mentored by Steve Nash. I think the defense is also kind of a component of that. Goran, at least in the seasons he's been with Miami, where I've watched him pretty closely, he's never been the best defender, but he's not terrible either. Um, you know, but he would like, he would be, I guess, the low point um, on a defensive side for Miami. So can you give us a roundup of the starting and closing lineups and some of the key guys off the bench, uh, you know, maybe the first guy, uh, first sub, that sort of thing, um, just to give us a picture before we hop into win total predictions here? Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean – you know, looking at the starting lineup right now, um, you might have a Goran Dragic, Deion Waiters, Jimmy Butler, Justice, and Bam situation going on. And that would leave kind of Tyler Hero coming off the bench and um, James Johnson coming off the bench and Derek Jones Jr. kind of being in that second line of a lineup. Um, I think their backup lineup is actually, uh, the, as a reserves, I think they're pretty good. I mean, I envision Justice switching to point guard at that time. And then you have uh, Tyler Hero as your shooting guard. Uh, Derek uh, Jones Jr. as a small forward, James Johnson as a power forward, and then Myers Leonard or Kelly Olenek uh, playing the center position. That's like a pretty strong one-two punch. Um, it really depends. I, I, it's, it's hard to say because I don't know what the starting lineup really is going to be headed into the season. There's a huge possibility Dion Waiters becomes the sixth man for the Heat and doesn't even start. Um, and if that's the case and he's healthy, that's a huge sixth man threat. Um, same thing with James Johnson. I mean, we know what he's capable of um, a couple of seasons ago. Uh, he really, like, he showed huge growth. And, I mean, last year, I think he kind of got back to normal. Um, the only thing that I was really worried about was his hesitancy to shoot the ball because I think he's a pretty decent shooter. Um, if that's not an issue this year, he's also a big threat. Um, you know, that 30 and uh, that, that Heat team that finished 30 and 11 in, um, in 2016, 2017, uh, was filled up with these guys who are more than capable uh, when they're healthy. Um, now they get a little bit of a break too. So there's uh, there's definitely the, um, from a reserve point of view, there's definitely the ability to kind of come in and uh, punch a couple teams in the mouth, I want to say, without sounding too vulgar. So the, the lineup that I think you said was Drogic Waiters, Butler, Winslow, and Bam? Yeah. Okay, do you feel like that's big enough? Uh, I kind of think, I mean, Jimmy can definitely play the three, but I think he's more traditionally a two. And then Winslow, you like him on those smaller guards. Do you feel, and Bam is a little bit of a small center himself in a way. Uh, do you feel like that lineup has enough size to it? I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, the Heat were one of the pioneers of the small ball movement, right? So um, it, it, really, it really depends. And, I mean, the lineup switched almost game to game last season. so. I really don't know what we're going to be looking at coming out of training camp. Uh, like I said, I mean, Dion could be playing six man and everything could kind of be twisted out. Um, but you're right. It is, it does seem pretty small um, to start, but I mean, 
you know, Bam's not, uh, I mean, but yeah, Bam's probably the biggest guy in that lineup, but uh, he's not that much smaller than the Kelly Olenek or Myers Leonard. So, you know, I think maybe there's more of an, uh, the Heat will probably try to put more of an emphasis on speed than size. I think that was one of the reasons why um, they kind of moved Hassan out, uh, kind of moving towards that um, that, that speed aspect. Um, I mean, Miami, towards the end of the season, had a lot of their points off of fast break opportunities. And someone leading those fast break opportunities was Bam Adebayo, uh, which was pretty crazy. Um, so I think we're kind of looking at it from you know a modern center point of view. So the small ball aspect of it doesn't worry me too much. Um, but yeah, it, it is also something to keep an eye on, uh, especially coming out of training camp. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. And I, I think that having, you know, perimeter defenders like the Heat have, you can get a little bit, you can get a little bit riskier and a little more inventive with, uh, you know, who you have defending fours, that type of thing. If you've got an anchor of the defense in there like Bam, I think you'll be just fine. But with that, let's move to win totals here. Uh, Vegas has Miami right around 42 wins, uh, up a little bit higher in some places, up to 44. So let, let's say the over-under is 43. Um, you mentioned it earlier. You alluded to it. It sounds like you're going to take the over here. Am I right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, 538's uh, predictions have them at 45, which is all you know, generally a decent number. And I feel like i got to account for um, wins based on just really good coaching uh, alone. So I got to give Eric Spolstra, you know, just a few coaching wins in here as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I see them finishing a little bit uh, closer to 50. Um, it's been a while since, uh, I mean, I mentioned it a few times since we had a true all-star on the team. So I think that aspect of it will play into things a little bit. Yeah, I think I'd have them a little bit below you, but still a bit above that 45, probably like a 47 win mark. I mean, you look at Indiana last year, a team without Oladipo for a lot of the year, and they were winning 48 games. Um, I think they're better than the Brooklyn team last year that won 42. Having that star power, even though I like D'Lo, it's not the same level as a Jimmy Butler. Um, but the last question we got for you, Brandon, is looking three to five years down the line. Um, it's a little difficult to do. And uh, maybe with this team, we can do once that's about the time that Jimmy's coming up on that player option and that contract's expiring. So once you're reaching that point, what are you sort of uh, predicting to see from Miami? Um, it'll be interesting to see from an organizational standpoint, um, especially as, uh, you know, Pat Riley's in his twilight years now, right? So if he's still with the organization, um, I think they're still, you know, making big moves to try to be in you know, a win now scenario. Um, I think, you know, by the time we get to uh, Jimmy's option, I think Miami will have already made um, a move to acquire another star player to kind of pair with him. Like, I, I feel like they're, you know, and this is just like, like full out. I've, I've been a heat optimist um, for a long time. So uh, I think that just came through in my, in my win projections. Right. And I think if you go back last season and look at uh, my projections for last season, they were a little on the optimistic side as well. Um, so, I mean, hopefully by the time we get to Jimmy's player option, um, Miami's made moves to try to be in contention to win a championship once again. Um, but yeah, I think the X factor there is the organizational standpoint where is Pat Riley still with the team? Um, did he retire? Is, uh, is Spolstra still the coach over there? Did something change on, on that line? And, um, uh, I think that is something that really factors into, um, you know, uh, 
you know, uh, an extension or a, a re-sign or even acquiring free agents. Um, obviously, the Heat's a great free agent uh, destination for players right now. But, you know, it's, um, it's a really unpredictable future. And that's, that's exciting in a way. But it's also, you know, um, as an organization that's been incredibly stable over the last uh, decade, you know, it's, um, it's also something to think about. Yeah, I'm pretty high on this team as well going forward. I, you know, I don't like a couple of the contracts that are on the books. Um, you know, nobody loves the Deion Waiters contract. No one loves the James Johnson contract. And we got to throw it in here because this is a Kings podcast. James Johnson is a bit of a villain in Sacramento. He was on the Kings team during the relocation, uh, all, you know, the whole saga there. And he, I believe he wore an Anaheim Angels hat to practice one day when the news was the current news was that the team would be going to Anaheim. So uh, yeah, not, not a great way to get Sacramentans behind you there, but aside from him, um, you know, both those contracts are going to be off the books starting in 2021. They will be uh, completely gone. And then you've just got Butler and then the young guys and, as you mentioned, Miami probably will always be a decent to strong uh, free agent destination. So, yeah, I mean, I got to say we had a podcast, the last podcast we did, uh, our guest was very optimistic and I was pretty hard on him. And this time I, I, I got to say uh, it, it makes a lot more sense for me. Good. I'm, I'm glad. <laughs> so, what about come playoffs, though? I mean, do you think the question comes down to, even if you got that home seed advantage, that you could take on a Milwaukee or a Philadelphia in round two? Yeah. Um, you know, I think the Heat, you know, given in a playoff opportunity, um, will always come to make noise. Um, I mean, that's usually when, you know, excluding Kyrie. Well, not even because uh, I think uh, players really played to their potential, especially Josh Richardson and uh, Justice Winslow in the Philly series uh, a couple years ago. Um, I think that's when the Heat players really step up. Um, I mean, if you look at it from kind of a seasonal point of view, Miami really gets uh, a lot of wins after the All-Star break, and I think that's a testament to their conditioning. And um, if we're kind of looking at it from a rule of attrition standpoint, um, I think come playoffs, the Heat will be in a good situation. And just on, you know, um, attrition, they should be able to make uh, some noise there. Obviously, um, you know, it's, uh, you have, we have one of the best coaches in the league in, who has a ton of playoff experience and championship experience. When it comes to, you know, uh, game on the line situations or really just um, making transitions coming out of halftime and that kind of thing. I mean, I don't think it gets a, gets better than that. So, yeah, I think the Heat are going to make the playoffs this year. I'm not necessarily worried about that. Um, but, yeah, I think getting in there, especially in a weak conference like the East right now, I think they'll make some noise and they might surprise a couple of teams, um, be that in win total uh, or just in the way they play in the playoffs. I mean, I don't think anybody really saw them reaching the Game 7 of the Eastern Semis against the Raptors in 2016 so I think uh, we might be looking at something similar to that um, if everything gels together the way we think it is I like it well thank you so much for joining us here today Brandon 
everyone should go follow Brandon at Brandon underscore DePerno, uh, or I'm probably butchering that now, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's close, man. Okay, that's at B R A N D O N underscore D I P E R N O, and read his writing at Hot Hot Hoops. Well, thanks for having me on, guys. I hope to uh, do it again sometime. Yeah, man, we'll be in contact. We appreciate you coming on and taking the time. And thank you to everybody for listening to this episode of the King's Pulse podcast. You will hear from us again in the next couple days. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough and the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you, so you can always depend on us. Call, click or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.